0: Hello, Language Hackers. Welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast with me, Elizabeth Bruckner, and of course, Benny Lewis. In this episode, we speak with Kara Leopold of Leo Listening. Some of the things we discuss are how to improve your listening comprehension and how to be an eco-friendly language listener. So let's get started. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 88. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, language learners. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bruckner, and I'm here with my co-host, Benny Lewis, founder of the Fluent in Three Months blog.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Kara Leopold of Leo Listening, Welcome to the show, Kara. Hi,
2: Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank
0: you for having me. It's great to have you here. So we were, um, you were recommended to us by Elfin Waters of All About Italian, and she said that you are her go-to listening expert.
2: Can you tell us what a listening expert is and what your background is? Oh man, she shouldn't have said that, should she? Got the pressure on me now. That was very sweet, of Elfin to have said that. I really enjoyed her episode with you. There were a lot of mic drop moments. Yeah, what is a listening expert? Well, I decided a few years ago when I started teaching online to kind of specialise in that topic because a lot of language learners do struggle with having difficulty understanding people when they talk at normal speed. Yeah, it's just something I've kind of ended up kind of by accident and over time yeah just developing an expertise in as I've as I've worked with students and as I've got more into that I've kind of developed ways of of helping people to understand fast talking english speakers cuz I'm I'm working with people who are learning english so that's that's what I do. That's what I do. Help people t- do that so they can understand people. And obviously, once you can understand people, you can speak better yourself. So the benefit is not just, you know, understanding. It's also then integrating what you hear into what you say. And that's something that I picked up. I think I really realized the value of that after I moved to France, which is where I live now. Being able to kind of listen in on people's conversations and kind of notice the expressions that they were using. And then start using them myself was actually a really nice way to learn rather than just like the thing of here's a list of 10 expressions you must know, (laughs) like learn them and use them. I think there's a lot of benefit from actually learning in context but that learning in context can be hard if you can't understand what people are saying so that's why I think listening is such an is such an important skill and obviously it's a skill that we all start with when we learn our first language um we even start in the womb apparently so um yeah we're all kind of we're all kind of listening experts from birth that's how we how we start our our language learning so see that's how we, we're all listening experts actually not me. <laughs> We all are.
0: My dog is not a listening expert.
1: So how how did it look with your own French experience? Because I know whenever I've gotten into other languages, initially I'll have that burst when I'm able to uh, speak about myself and why I'm learning the language. But if they reply to me, and especially if they're not catering to me as a learner, like if they're a teacher and just a regular native speaker, they're just going to shoot like a machine gun of words in my <laughs> face and I'm not going to understand anything. So how how do you begin that process?
2: Uh yeah, that's a good question. Cause yeah, because I think we a lot of us start that way, don't we? And it's like kind of the phrase book way of like you can very quickly learn a bunch of phrases that can, you know, get you started. And obviously you have to start speaking and you know, obviously I know that's what you talk about a lot, Benny, like actually speaking and <laughs> getting, getting on with it. But yeah, you're right, you do, you can get stuck. And it's funny, sometimes people's ability in speaking can actually be ahead of their listening, even at, at quite advanced levels and then so people sort of feel bad about themselves because other people do reply to them fast because they assume well this person is very very articulate and using you know speaking fluently using the right expressions. so therefore they obviously must understand everything and it's not it's not necessarily the case as for getting started with that i just learned i learned french the traditional way at school and I actually liked French and I was good at it. <laughs> so I don't have one of those cool poly lot stories like I couldn't understand a word and now I speak 26 languages and my life is amazing. No, I, I actually, I liked French. and I picked it up very quickly and I was good at it. But I'm not saying it was all like plain sailing. Obviously, like language learning is hard. It takes a long time. But I did, I would say I did struggle with listening at school. Like I remember when we had to do the exams. So I was in the UK at that time. And so we did like our GCSE language listening exams. And I remember the first time we listened to one of those tapes. Yes, tapes. I was just freaking out. I was like, this is is so hard, man. Like, how am I ever going to pass my exam? And this is really scary. But looking back, it really is amazing that we understood anything because, you know, the teachers, they speak with, you know, not very native like accents always. And I think part of that is trying to make it easier for us. And the listening in the classroom is like, right, let's put on a tape. Everybody's terrified. Everybody's stressed out because they're worried they're not going to understand it. It's going to be too fast. There's no visual information.
1: And the quality of the tape, I remember listening to tapes as well. It's not like listening to this podcast. No. The whole time. Listen <laughs> And you'd have to try to make out all of these uh, really blurry, terrible, like they must have used a potato as a microphone or something. <laughs>
2: a way it's a miracle actually that any of any of us understood anything really I mean maybe there's a lesson in that training with like bad cassettes from the 90s has its merits or something for me listening it just became like for a lot of us after school it's just kind of like this thing you get tested on that is really stressful and you don't really enjoy it and it scares you whereas like reading in class or like filling out a worksheet is boring but at least it feels pretty safe But listening is like gives you freak out moments. And I know that after that, I had to learn Spanish very quickly two times in my life for my studies. And the second time I had to get my level up really quickly. And I did a lot of listening. And I did. I really just was like, okay, I've got to learn really fast. Like, let's make this as easy as possible. I'm just going to watch loads of Spanish TV because I had... Uh, Here in France, we have Spanish TV channels. So I was just like, right, I'll I'll just watch that because it's easy. I can put it on at lunchtime and just watch it when I'm having my lunch. So I really went for a lot of exposure. I was watching the Spanish news because I was doing a master's degree in international business and I had to do two languages. So I got to do English, which is easy peasy for me. And then I I had to do Spanish because it was the only language that I knew a bit of. Yeah, so that was stressful, but I think it was good to really sort of take listening seriously and do a lot of it and not just do the sort of put on a cassette for one minute and fill out some comprehension questions or something like that so yeah I think there's a lot to be said and there I was getting visual information because that's one of the things that the language classroom kind of makes us think that we're going to hear like some airport announcements and then fill out a worksheet. But that's like not, no one, nobody ever does that in real life. Like, well, okay. They listen to announcements, but they're not like getting tested on it. So the test is do you end up at the right gate at the airport or something? You know, watching the news, at least I had some, some visuals to help me out. So that, that was a a big help. And like, we forget that a lot of listening that goes on in real life is just talking to people, isn't it? And so we see them, we see their face, They see the look of horror on our face when we don't understand. But obviously exam listening is, we all look horrified. (laughs) But someone's like, you're going to listen to this tape twice. And if you don't get it, tough. And, you know, obviously when you're actually learning and you're self-directed and you're learning, you can listen as many times as you want. But maybe we have a bit of trouble kind of accepting that because we're so used to like, I can only listen twice. And if I don't, it's cheating or I have to do comprehension questions so that I understand and they're actually not really connected. So I think, yeah, like classroom listening can sort of mess up our techniques anyway. When When I think about the stuff that we used to do and even stuff I've done as a teacher, I'm not like immune to having like done sort of not very helpful things. Yeah, we definitely we definitely have some way to go with kind of actually developing this skill and learning how to develop this skill. But yeah, I think one of the things is listening a lot, listening as many times as you need to, repeating it, making it relevant for you. And, you know, not always having it like pure audio, but also having some visual aspects as well. That helps. Like having, having crutches to help us is a good thing, I think, in listening. Like having things like subtitles and transcripts so we can check our work, that's really important. That's much more valuable than doing like a multiple choice test. And then what do you actually learn? If you just guess the answers or if the answers were obvious... Or sometimes like they sort of trick you into putting the wrong thing. So um, that's not really helpful. I think it's it's more helpful to get fe- feedback from some kind of, of, of written source, like like having a transcript, like having subtitles. But we, yeah, we don't learn these things at school. Like We really, really don't. And I didn't know them even in my teaching st- until I started getting really into listening and kind of reading the books about teaching that skill and finding other people who were better at teaching it and actually yeah, having a, a process for that. There are so
0: many things to unpack here. The first thing that I want to talk about that both you and Benny mentioned is the fear factor. This idea of if I don't get it, I'm going to be shamed or it's going to be life threatening. You know, I went to my first (laughs) um, and and I, I would like you both to go back in time to when you were both beginners, because right now you know how to handle a situation where fear comes up or angst comes up. But when you're a super beginner, I thought I had some sort of brain malfunction, like, oh, okay, I can speak and and listen normally in English, but apparently in French, I have a tumor in that area (laughs) of my my brain. And what it does is it allows me to only hear the first five words of every sentence. So I remember I was like two months into French, and I went to a meetup for French speaking. And this was one of the rare meetups In America, we tend to have meetups that are French speaking, but everyone speaks English (laughs) about French. But this one was like a for real, all they spoke was French. And every time someone would talk to me, and I'm not a typically shy person, my chest would tighten, I'd start to sweat. And then I would concentrate on what they were saying. So I didn't look like an idiot in my response. And then I would only understand the first five words. And it was terrifying and uncomfortable. And they knew I was a language learner. They knew I was brand new, but it was a different, it was a different atmosphere. There was background noise. It was new people. Um, There are certain techniques that I've gotten to now, which is I excuse myself to the bathroom to just reset my nervous system because you can get into panic mode, even if you're not a typically anxious person, because your body is just like, you need to understand what people are saying. And the other thing that I say is I Always start out with strangers saying, I've been learning Spanish for two weeks. I've been learning French for two weeks. And this, I believe, is a Benny tip that I learned from one of his Q&As from a long time ago. And what that does is it takes the pressure off of being a new person. It lets them know that even though I might be able to say, hi, nice to meet you, I live here, my name is, with relative fluidity, it lets them know that I'm still a beginner and that listening for some come later comes later than um, speaking. So here's my question to both of you. Have you had a moment, was there a moment ever that you guys can recall where it was like, oh my gosh, I was terrified because I didn't understand? And what did you do to move past that? Because I've seen language learners, especially in the challenge, that do just what you said, Kara, they listen, they go to an event, they go to a teacher, the teacher speaks too fast, and then they go right back to reading and writing. And then they just do that for two months. And then they expect to get better and they don't. So how do you have a fearful moment? What was one of those fearful moments? And how did you overcome it?
2: I have a problem now really in French, because I pretty much understand everything that I hear. And it's really rare that I don't understand something. So That's obviously a very different position to be in than I was, you know, when I was learning it at school. I guess, yeah, it was maybe that school listening situation. I'm sure there's been times in France where I haven't understood and I've kind of just muddled through. It's weird with languages. They just kind of make me want to do stuff and not really be afraid. But in lots of other areas of life, I would not. (laughs) I would not be so carefree. It's weird.
1: Yeah, the way I've always looked at this, I mean, I come from an engineering background where uh, things are based on mathematics and it's either right or wrong. And because of that, I've uh, come at languages thinking languages don't really fit that mindset. They can't be an either or situation. So when I first got into Spanish, the first language I truly tried to learn as an adult and the Spaniards would speak extremely quickly and I wouldn't understand anything. Um I would immediately, it's just part of like the way I try to problem solve is I think, okay, rather than I'm just not destined to learn this language, I should give up. I thought, okay, right now I can't do this situation. And like you said, if you're in a a noisy environment and there's multiple people, then that does not mean you cannot understand the spoken language. It means that right now in this situation, it's harder for you. But there's so many different ways that you can simplify things. So if you have uh, private lessons with a teacher, they're going to speak slower to you. And that's very good at easing in. One thing I did with Spanish is uh, Spaniards do indeed speak a lot quicker than other Spanish speakers. So I just happened to find uh, some Latin Americans and I started learning Spanish with Colombians and with other people who are learning Spanish. So with uh, native French and German speakers who were there for the Erasmus program. I started speaking to them and they would speak slower. They would use simpler words. And this did not mean that I would have to spend the rest of my life only speaking Spanish to non-Spaniards. It just meant that I I had to accept that, yeah, that machine gun of Spanish in my face, I wasn't ready for that initially, but maybe I could work my way up to it. And with every new language I've taken on, that's been my process, is that, yes, I can turn on the news and it's complete gobbledygook to me. And rather than think I should give up, I can decide maybe the news is a bit too much for me right now. Maybe watching Netflix shows is a bit out of my comfort zone. Maybe there's something else I can do where they're speaking slower, or I can find a YouTube video and click the gear icon and change the the speed, or I can find podcasts that are tailor-made to language learners. So they are intentionally either speaking slower or they are... Uh, analyzing the part that they do speak quicker so they can ease me into it. There's a lot of things like that. And I consider it a spectrum that at the very, very start, I can only understand a handful of words if you speak slowly. And then with time, I can understand people speaking quicker and I can understand them using more complicated words. And then that gets me to the, the later stages where I can start to understand pretty much everything. So that's been my whole take on everything
2: yeah no that is very wise advice i think yeah there's no point as a beginner in putting yourself well we end up putting ourselves in stressful situations which doesn't really help but yeah i think in the beginning stages there's a lot to be said for yeah having someone supportive like a teacher or a partner who is going to adapt and who's going to speak to us face to face you know in person or online but then we've got the, the 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 visual element yeah, I think it's it's when it's when a process is so automatic like it is in your native language, you kind of expect it to be the same. But yeah, obviously, what you said, Benny, it's right. It takes time to develop this skill. It's like any skill, and so it's not on day one that you can automatically decode all the first speech of a language. It's just it takes it takes it takes time. Unfortunately.
1: Now, on on the visuals, you were saying, that, and you mentioned before that subtitles is a, a tool that you use. Like, how do you use subtitles? Because it can be something people don't jump in right from the beginning. Maybe they use the subtitles to English and they can uh, potentially end up ignoring the target language. Like, what what is your advice for how and when to use subtitles when watching a TV show?
2: That's a good point, because when I was learning French, again, like in the dark ages, seemingly, because it's all about like cassettes and video cassettes and stuff like this. So I didn't even have the subtitles. I used to get French videos from the library. I'm only talking about the mid-2000s, but you know, it was a pre-streaming, pre-Netflix, whatever age.
1: I I like to refer to the 90s as the 1900s to really make people feel old.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just amazing what we have now, honestly. But back in the day, not that long ago, but long enough ago, people had to watch video cassettes. And they were lucky to have them, you know. You don't know you're born, so we. I would watch like videos, but they didn't even. So you can't even get subtitles on a video. I mean, I these ones that I was getting didn't have them. So obviously, I was completely lost. I, I had no way to check anything, and like now, you could probably Google the script of the movie you're watching. So even if you didn't have the subtitles, you could get something. But when you have nothing, it's crap. So. <laughs> And yeah, probably the films I was watching were too hard for me. Like, I didn't really know what I was just like getting them randomly. And I was like, okay, well, there's like five French movies at the central library in my city. So I'll just like take a random one. This looks like it might be good. So it was, it was, yeah, choosing stuff randomly, not really knowing what it was, not having subtitles, not having anyone to help me understand it and then like expecting to be able to understand it by myself. You see where I'm going with this. It's not real. I'm setting myself up for failure, basically. What I would have done at that stage, so I was intermediate, had I been able to get hold of a DVD and I was able to get hold of DVDs as well, is yeah, I probably would have watched with the subtitles, I think at that stage, because I think a movie was too hard for me, but it wasn't that easy to get like a French TV series to watch. What I used to watch was on our like cable TV, we had TV5 Monde. Which is like, it's like extracts from the Swiss TV and TV from Guadeloupe and anywhere that's like French speaking. So I'd watch that sometimes because like it's all I had. Sometimes you just gotta, like, gotta go with what you've got. And yeah, it'd be like sort of nice documentaries and news programs and stuff like that. I didn't have the subtitles either, did I? I don't think because TVs at the back then, you couldn't just put the subtitles on. It's mad now. Like with our TV, you just, you've got the option. You can put the English subtitles on if you're watching an English show and you're. France,
1: and it's. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't talk up modern tech that much. I mean, I'm. I'm really? Just, oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I was just in. It's so weird. I was in Majorca, and my. I was in a German-speaking part of the town. So because of that, they had pre-programmed the TV that all its stations were in German. It was very strange. But I started watching a couple of like I'd wind down my day. I'd watch some shows, and I turned on the subtitles, and they never matched because the uh subtitles were a direct translation of the english whereas the dubs were a more appropriate translation that were trying to synchronize with the lips and maybe were a bit better than the subtitles that were just direct so there were lots of mis- mismatches so you know it's all well and good to say oh back in my day things were so hard but i i think it's it's a constant process of things evolving and changing and i i don't i don't put the modern day up in any kind of pedestal
0: really You, the techie does not. I'm so, this is breaking news. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but it's true. And uh, Kara, what you said, we have more, more material available thanks to technology. So we can get more, like she said, I, I don't watch typically as a lower intermediate or beginner. I do not watch movies because by the time I understand the plot, the credits are rolling at the end. You know, and I'm just like, you got it. I just uh. so, but TV series, you get used to the characters, the plot's a little more simplified. got that because I have to spread it out over five seasons. Um, action movies, I've never watched action movies before. Now that's all I watch because when they're fighting in Spanish, it still counts. Like, oof, ah, oof, that's Spanish. <laughs> That counts as my Spanish listening. It's in Spanish, yeah. Spanish noises. Right. So um, again, a question for both of you. I um, heard from one polyglot. It was, I believe it was Steve Kaufman or uh, Johan from Francais Authentique. And um, one of them said, listen to the same thing that you absolutely love 20 times. And so I made a goal of listening to the same audiobook 20 times. So I would listen to like, um, half of chapter one and and uh, three quarters. I'd listen to half of chapter one, like two times, and then I'd go to chapter two and then I'd come back to chapter one. And I eventually got through an entire book that way in Spanish, um, in French and now Spanish. And some of my I do hear the challengers in the Floating Through challenge saying, oh, I couldn't hear, I couldn't understand anything on that podcast, so I just gave up and I'm like, well, how many times did you listen to it? I listened to it once. And so you do need to find something that really um, floats your boat that you can listen to more than once. Like Benny, how many times did you listen to or watch the Simpsons when you were learning Spanish? Was it a one-time deal or?
1: Yeah. I mean uh, the advice you gave, whoever gave it, I'm sure it works effectively for them, but I, I would absolutely say that would never work in a million years for me. (laughs) I do not have the patience to rewatch things. Like I, Um, I use repetition, but only on a very micro scale. So if I, uh, I do like podcasts that take, uh, a single dialogue, that's maybe 30 seconds or one minute and they'll analyze the hell out of it. And they'll repeat phrases within that. So I will repeat a very short segment and I use this with pronunciation as well, that I'll try to take a, a 10 second clip and I'll really try and get the pronunciation down on that. So I do have the patience to repeat that little amount but I cannot watch the same thing over and over again. That's that's just not that's not within the realm of a possibility for my patience.
0: <laughs> and that would drive me nuts to listen to the same like 30 minute clip a little bit. That that irritates me to no end. So it, this is a really good thing to bring up because everybody is different. Like just because Benny Lewis or Kara Leopold does it one way doesn't mean you have to. Just take you know, you're you're kind of picking and choosing in your garden. This flower looks good, this this herb smells nice, these are the ones I'm gonna use, and the other ones just throw out the window. Um, Kara, how do you do uh now that you have technology when you have a student that wants to watch Stranger Things dubbed in their target language or in English? How do you tell them to use the subtitles? I typically would, this is how I did it. I love to hear how Benny does it and how you tell your um, students to do it. I like to watch it without any subtitles and just see what happens. Like see how much I can figure out. You learn stuff like run, big monster, go by doing that. And then I go back if I really feel like it or like the show and I might watch it with the Spanish subtitles or the French subtitles. And then if there's an argument, because when they speak really fast and they're arguing, I go back sometimes a third time just to that one clip. That's where I'll do the Benny thirty second thing, and I'll just listen to the argument so I get an idea of what the plot was. How do you um, suggest your students
2: handle subtitles? And then Benny, how do you do it? Well, that's like a pretty solid process you've got there, Elizabeth. Definitely, that sounds like something I would I would recommend or I would do myself. And I was just going to say, with regard to the previous point, you're both right. In fact you know, it's not one thing or the other. There's listening a lot and then there's also listening in detail and like combining combining the two and then adding in, you know, our own preferences, of course. Um, yeah, because it's interesting you brought up Stranger Things. So the kind of the way you were talking about it, you were talking about it as if, you know, I've already seen this in English. Now I'm going to watch the Spanish version. So already that is really helpful um, if you've already seen the thing in your language then you're familiar with the plot you know what people what the characters names are I don't know why I always always talk about that if you've already watched the thing in your own language you're already kind of a step ahead because you you know you kind of know what's going on it's not it's not like you're starting from scratch and you've got that double thing of like trying to like figure out what this the series or the episode is about plus trying to figure out the language. So, um, yeah, I like that idea of using something you've already seen in your native language. And, yeah, my preference would be to watch it without the subtitles first, but that is going to depend on your level and your familiarity with it. I mean, that's a judgment call, I think. And, yeah, the whole thing of going back, I mean, that's exactly what we do with my students because we will watch a whole movie with the intention of discussing it, but then I give them clips that I want them to work on to work specifically on their listening skills, on kind of catching all the little details and, you know, really getting good at understanding fast speech and then also working on speaking skills and things like this and pronunciation. So, yeah, I think there is definitely an argument there for, for watching more than once, even if it's not the whole thing. I mean, with movies, it's difficult. With a TV show, it's slightly easier. Yeah, I just, I let people do kind of do what they want um, to a certain extent. So like I've got students who will watch a dubbed version of the movie first to just be sure that they understand everything. If they don't want to do that, I'm also like, okay, go on IMDb. Read a bit about it. Don't read spoilers, but get a rough idea of what's going to happen. Watch the trailer. Like, don't go in cold. Go in with a bit of basic knowledge. Yeah, if you want to, like, then watch it again, actually, in English, it, you could probably watch it without subtitles if you've already watched it dubbed. That's a weird thing, but that's <laughs> that's possible. And then you, But then you can also watch it with the subtitles if you want. And actually, speaking of Elfin, she has a nice tip for that, which is just, like, you just kind of switch the subtitles off and on if you want. It doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be, Benny, you were saying that, it doesn't have to be all or nothing binary. Because sometimes people think there's this is massive debate in language learning like subtitles on all the time or subtitles off all the time, who will win? Like, Well, okay, but no, in fact, because you can you can use them while watching. You can use them after. You can use them for a little while. You can use them for it's not. Yeah, it's not an all or nothing. Like this is what you must do. If you don't do this, you'll die and you'll never learn a language. You know, it's really not that dramatic. Like They're just a helpful tool and we can play around with how we want to use them, um, depending on what we're doing, what we're watching, how hard we're finding it, how tired we are you know, how hungry we are, (laughs) you know, if we're having a bad day, we might just want to put them on because we just don't feel like it. We just don't feel like listening to the language, but we know if we've got a bit of help with the subtitles, we can do it. So yeah, I'm all for sort of like flexibility and, My students do things like they'll watch the movie in chunks. And this is something i never really thought about doing, but it actually makes a lot of sense to sort of treat the movie like a TV series in three three acts. I suppose most movies are divided into three acts, aren't they? That's how you write scripts, isn't it? So, you know, they might watch in sort of 20-minute chunks. Does that give you a movie? Or half-hour chunks. Three half-hour chunks, boom, you've got a 90-minute movie. And that just makes it more... Um, digestible and I think it also gives you the chance to uh, reflect on it and and think about it in between you know watches so yeah there's lots of things we can do to make to make our life easier that's what that's what's important to me it's got to be you know enjoyable and that's why people are watching in the movies in the first place because they enjoy them you know if you don't enjoy them and it feels forced don't do it. Because it's two hours of your life in another language. It's not very pleasant if you don't like watching movies. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. That That just gives people options, I guess. And I'm not saying anything is is right or wrong. And I was on a podcast the other day and we were talking about, you know, in terms of subtitling, we talked about this distinction, subtitles versus closed captions. And I was like, oh yeah, for English, I'm I'm referring to closed captions. So you'd have the audio in English and the closed captions in English, right? For instance, if you wanted to work that way, and what I don't really recommend is having the subtitles in your language, because I think that just gets confusing. But the person I was talking to, he taught in Japan for a long time and lived there. And he said, in fact... Japanese people are used to having the English audio and the Japanese subtitles because they don't have a tradition of dubbing like they do in, say, France or Italy or, you know, there's some countries where they, they double down on dubbing, if you like, and there's some countries where they just they don't really do that. So actually, people are used to having, you know, well, that's not just the subtitles in another language. That's literally another script plus the English audio. They could just kind of get used to it. So I can't knock that. I can't say not to do that because if that's the only option you've got and that's easier for you at this stage or it helps you, then who am I to tell you what to do? That sounds really relativistic, doesn't it? Like, well, you know, you can kind of just do what you want, but, <laughs> and it's all good. But yeah, it's true. You have to kind of play around and not be afraid to to use tools like subtitles to help you. Like if you're really stuck with a scene, you don't torture yourself. Just Just use them. Or come back later and watch the scene again and and use them and write down any cool expressions you learn, you know, or ask somebody if you're stuck. Like one of the best movie watching experiences in French was when I was with my French teacher and she was stopping the film for us and she was explaining stuff. It was amazing. I understood so much more. I was so, yeah, I was just less lost than than I would have been if I had been struggling on my own. So, yeah, help is good. Doing it with other people is good. Discussing movies is good and, you know, there's some nice stuff you can do because even after watching the movie, you can read reviews, you could write your own review if you're feeling crazy. What's cool when you go on YouTube and look for movie clips is like people have really good discussions under the clip. So it's really interesting to see other people's ideas and it gives you new perspective and a new way of looking at the film. So that's really nice as well. So I think that's that's also interesting, like taking one resource and really using it in many, many different ways and really like milking it, as it were, sort of, you know, getting as much bang for your buck by really like going deep with one one resource.
1: No, very, very well said. And like you said, it can depend on the person. It's best to experiment. I know something that is definitely a lot more common uh, with the younger generation and a habit I've gotten into myself as well is even when I'm watching a show in English, I'll still actually have subtitles on. It just kind of helps me follow along. And one thing I've changed with that, I, um, like initially was just doing it in English, but one thing I've changed is even if I'm watching a show that's in English, I'll have the subtitles on in Spanish or French. And this way I, as they are coming across like interesting uh, vocabulary, I'm still actually kind of passively learning French and I'm seeing new vocabulary for things that I um, may not have come across in in other ways. While I'm still getting to see the show in its original language, like if it's an English language show, uh, there's a certain uh, power to watching it in in its original language. And if I find shows on Netflix that I want to practice in other languages, I personally prefer to watch the ones that are originally in French and originally in German or whatever. Yeah, I I did want to ask you something. That you have a guide on your website on how to understand fast speaking natives through movies. So we've talked a lot about the subtitles, but I'm curious, what other techniques do you use to help people understand natives who speak quickly?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and that guide, well, there's there's some of the more general things I talked about, like, you know, before you watch a movie, read a little bit about it, know what you're getting into you know experiment with with different movies to find one that you like commonsensical sort of stuff and then uh, but in the guide we really go into understanding fast speech understanding how what changes english just like any language goes through when people speak it fast you know words don't exist in isolation they affect each other and they change. They get bits chopped off or mixed together or, you know, there's some weird stuff that happens. You know, we tend to learn words in isolation. We learn that kind of like perfect pronunciation. Like, you know, I was just thinking about this in French. Like, I don't really know so much about that in French. Like I, I know that I understand
1: things. The the tip, the most typical example in French, I can I always give people is that you learn the pronunciation is je ne sais pas, but they actually say je sais pas.
2: Ah, yeah. And the other day, I was listening to people saying en ce moment, so very common expression. But when people say that fast, it sounds more like ce moment, ce moment, not en ce moment. And there was another one that came up. Ah oui, quelque chose. So in class you're going to learn quelque chose, but when people say it fast it sounds like quelque chose, you know. So I mean it sounds pretty different and and this is the thing, it's those expressions that are very very common that often get the most altered. And so when you're a beginner and you've learned en ce moment, you're not going to recognize it when someone says moment fast in your face and you're really scared anyway and stressed and it doesn't sound like your know, French teacher told you one thing and then real French person says something, something that sounds completely different to you. So that's another, that's a big thing we all have to get used to as listeners in a, in a foreign language is how, yeah, how it changes when we, when we actually speak. So, yeah, so I kind of break down part of a movie clip so that people can kind of catch everything and learn a bit about, you know, what is it that people do when they talk, that makes them sound fast and unclear, and you know. So we actually we we go into that. So there's a there's a technical part as as well, um, and it's interesting to work on that. You know, in the ways you were saying, Benny, like you know, taking short sections, a recording or a movie or whatever, and then actually really drilling down into like, okay, how are they actually saying that? Like, what is the actual pronunciation? Like, and I do sort of torture my students with this, (laughs) and I make them do dictations because I want to see what are they understanding, what are they not understanding. Like, I can't, I can't know that because I'm not in their head, and it's really interesting to see their mistakes. (laughs) because I'm like okay I wasn't expecting this and then I'll go back to the audio and I'll I'll slow it down in like audacity and then I'm like oh my god yeah they they really did make that sound like a completely different word or they chopped this bit off and it now it's like incomprehensible uh yeah spoken language is weird like it it can sound very strange but we don't realize in our native language because we we already know how to do this We, we we've been practicing it for years and it's all automatic but it's when you learn a foreign language you're like all of this becomes very conscious and laborious and seemingly impossible so um, yeah try to try to break it down a bit and not just be like well just listen to stuff (laughs) And the problem will solve itself. Like you obviously do have to listen. But then if you're just listening with no feedback or no, you know, not necessarily from a teacher, but even just like, you know, checking with subtitles. Okay, so I just listened to a bunch of French and I didn't understand it. I don't know what they said. I give up and instead of giving up and moving on, you can put on the subtitles and start checking. Like, okay, well, is this is this language that I know? Is it new language? If it's language I know and that's often going to be the problem, you know, how is it different? What? why don't I recognize it? And, And your people have said to me, you know, I watch. English movies or series with subtitles and I understand what I'm reading but I can't I can't catch it but that illustrates you know it's not always like a level problem or a a language ability problem it it can be just a a listening problem I mean unless you're at beginner level and you just don't have enough language to understand um, these native level things but yeah it can be really frustrating for people Um, and I think that does come back to again how we learned at school and nobody really you know I got very little kind of instruction in French or German on like actually pronouncing things properly. I was probably really massacring the language when I was younger, even though I sort of, you know, I knew the grammar and I knew how to put sentences together. It probably didn't, didn't sound very good. And it was a shame because if I think if we'd had more pronunciation training, we would have been better at listening and listening would have seemed less scary. But yeah, we just weren't even really clear on like just some of the vowels in French that are so different to English. And so you're not even like, You're not even listening for the right things because you're kind of familiar with English-accented French. (laughs) And then, you know, people don't... Even if they're speaking clearly, you're just like, what?
0: Yeah, a lot of times there are teachers that they have not learned another language. So they might be an English teacher that doesn't speak any other language. And I think that's a dangerous person to put all your eggs in one basket. I do think that one of your secrets to success, Kara, is that you speak another language. You're a language teacher that also is a language learner. And a lot of times I will talk to a, a high school teacher that might not necessarily actually speak the language they're teaching often. And that can be tricky or in, uh, English as a second language. And they only speak English and they're teaching people that speak different languages how to speak English, but they don't know what it's like to be a learner. And that can be a little tricky. I think I do want to, I do want to shift gears really quickly because we're, we're getting to the close of this um, episode. And this is an important question. I think that other learners would like to hear. So, you have a passion for environmental um, activism and taking care of the earth that we are on. And I wonder if, do you have any recommendations for any French speaking podcasts or YouTube channels that focus on sustainable living?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I don't actually, I don't actually follow any in French for french i follow if people are interested actually i follow more kind of like newsletters to do with this to do with like the i'm, I'm not really doing activism at the moment but i'm i'm sort of i hear from the organization i was doing it with so that's Tiba and INV INV Cup 21 i'll send you the links if you want to add them in the show notes and then um another thing for people to follow that could be interesting I th- and i think those are, those types of organizations will also have a youtube channels and then the other Kind of in terms of French environmental issues, the other thing I follow is L'Affaire du Siècle, so the 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 case of the century. Maybe you heard about this. There was a bit of a bit about it in the English language press because basically there was a legal challenge against the French government for its lack of action on you know climate and environmental issues, and so so France kind of won against itself. France lost against itself in the sense that they now have to like, they've now got like a sort of a not very long window to actually hit their targets in terms of CO2 reduction. So that's been a really big win um, on the French environmental scene. I gave them a bit of money and I followed the progress of that of that legal challenge, that legal case. And they asked us for things like, you know, what, what kind of impacts of climate change, climate crisis are you seeing where you live? And the response was phenomenal. Like so many people just all over France, they were like, yeah, like I can see it. You know, there's weird, weird stuff happening, you know, where I'm, where I'm living. So yeah, I'm not, I don't really do like, like sustainable living, like, okay. Yeah. Sort of zero waste or stuff like that, or like cycling, that would probably be that would probably give you some results if you look for that, and I'm sure there is French content on that. It can't it can't be lacking.
1: And what uh, plans do you have uh, with your own business and to expand with your own language learning in the future?
2: I guess for now, just keep watching movies in English with my students. We've watched like we're on to our sixteenth movie that we're watching together, um, and just yeah, just keep watching like really interesting movies that help us to have really good conversations in English with people from different cultures and seeing things from different perspectives. And I just think that's going to be so important going forward. Like We all really need to listen to each other and understand each other, you know, not just like linguistically, but also understand where each other is coming from and understand different viewpoints. And that's why I really love bringing people together to discuss movies, because just when you've got all these different perspectives... And people noticing different things, it really makes it more special because you, you're you like, oh, yeah, I never thought about it that way. Or, oh, yeah, I never noticed that. And my students just continue to surprise me every single time with the things that they notice and the things that they talk about. And your English or whatever language you're learning it doesn't have to be perfect to have these insights and share these things. So, yeah just keep on going with that and as for my language learning um you know like for me I'm not really uh you know I live in France and I speak French every day I listen to French every day there's always more to learn yeah it's just it's just the language I live in so I don't know I don't really have a particular goal or you know there's always more I suppose I could do like I don't really like reading in French because reading is the only time I come across words that I don't know so I suppose I could read more but I don't really care like I don't <laughs> I don't really you know it's always going to be nice to like you know add another new expression or get used to understanding another accent or something but for the most part you know it's just it's just the, the language I'm living in so I don't even really think about it as something I'm like learning you know like effortfully or laboriously it's just kind of there so right now I'm doing stuff in French, like I'm buying an apartment, I'm selling an apartment and it's all in French and it's just life, isn't it? So um, it's all very integrated. And other than that, I'm not really interested in learning any other languages, so. I know that's not what you're supposed to say, but for me, it's just, it's really been about like, you know, becoming bilingual as an adult and just really focusing on, you know, having two languages. And if for some reason I have to learn another one, well, you know, like why not? But it's, you know, I'm just very happy like living abroad and using my language as part of my daily life and just having it as something that's just there day to day. So Kara, thanks so much for
0: coming on the show today. We have one more question for you. What is language hacking to you? (laughs)
2: it sounds like it's something to do with like butchery (laughs) doesn't it on a on a literal level what is language hacking I suppose it's like it's not messing around is it like we did at school you know you just kind of like you're there for years and you don't really seem to learn much so I think for me language hacking is like getting to the point and um and choosing what you want to learn and and doing it your way so that you're not like faffing around for years not really making uh not really making any progress so that's what it evokes for me like apart from the sort of the notion of like <laughs> hacking meat with a with an with a <laughs> but I suppose that is kind of getting to the point like get cutting away all the you know the excess and 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 just and just kind of getting getting to the point really and not and not messing around we we, we all wasted a lot of time. Uh, (laughs) you know not seemingly not learning that much for the longest time at school sounds like I'm dissing school I really have a lot of respect for language teachers and what they're trying to do and the conditions that they're trying to do it in but yeah it would have been nicer to go faster I think I could have gone a lot faster at school if if I had known how to learn a language properly and if I had had the resources that we have now and you see that now with people I've taught you know they've 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 watched you know English series in their bedroom for years and they're they're fluent and they haven't even moved abroad and I was like well I have to go and live in France otherwise I'll never learn it properly but probably you don't need to do that nowadays you could you can do so much from home so you know those tech those techie things they have helped Benny like they have made a difference for sure well, I suppose there's nothing quite like actually, you know, moving abroad as well and really living your language, which is what, what I did and what I'm very glad that I did.
1: Very good. Yeah, I, I I only say technology has its limits because ultimately time with humans, that's the best way to learn the language. No no amount of technology may, may facilitate that, but it's never necessarily going to replace it. And that's that's the way I think of it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we have language to talk to other humans. Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, this has been very interesting. Thank you for the, for all those answers. We'll make sure that uh, links for people to find out more about you are in the show notes for today's episode. So thank you again. And until the next time, we wish everyone listening a very happy language learning.
0: Happy language learning. And that's a wrap. What an interesting interview with Kara. At the end of the podcast, we like to discuss a few takeaways we've gathered. Benny, what was your highlight during this interview?
1: So I think one of the biggest takeaways I had was that when you're using something like, uh, I don't know, a Netflix show or a movie or whatever, you can actually do some research ahead of time. And this is something I've done myself, even for computer games, I've done some research and try to find... Uh, Wikipedia articles about them and to learn their unique vocabulary. If it's like you're killing monsters, then you learn the names of those monsters in the target language. And it, it actually does help a lot with your flow. Uh, so um, I definitely recommend people do that. And on top of that, there's a lot of other ways you branch out your experience of watching a show like you can join in on discussions. And she said she does that as well. That she might look up uh, clips on on YouTube. And especially if you're looking up those clips in the right language, you'll see people saying, oh my God, this is my favorite scene. And you can jump in on that discussion as well. So even something as simple as watching a TV show can actually turn into an interactive experience. So that was my big takeaway. What about yours?
0: Thanks, Benny. Yeah, I agree with you. That was creating this universe around movies, like one movie is a great way to continue to deepen your, your language learning experience. I think for me, the one thing that really kind of felt, um, uh, reassuring was that she's just, she's really comfortable with saying this works for some people, this doesn't work for others. And I think that's a message that you and flown in three months give a great deal, but to hear it from another person, she's She's fluent in French and she doesn't need to have, you know, white knuckles on the steering wheel. Um, Language learning can be something where you have goals and you're working towards them and you can be relaxed and have fun at the same time. We truly hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, let us know by leaving a review and telling us what's working for you at languagehacking.com forward slash review. We love hearing from you and your reviews till the podcast varies to offer our show to more listeners. Thanks so much and see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Katie Pasco, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening, and happy language learning.